Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and uh, I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello. Hello, Pete. Once again, Hello, everyone. Our crazy schedule uh, this week. We are adapting. We are. And it's great. We're, we're fine. Sending, we're, we're posting shows really almost every day, as we, <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> that's right. This is a week of, I, I think, including this live stream. This show will go live, not probably technically in this week, but we've got, I mean, four new shows this week. Uh, it's It's been a, a crazy uh, week just trying to stay ahead of the messages and the feelings and all the things that we're living through right now. Um, man, I hit it. It got close to me. I, I'll tell this in a minute because I got I to gotta bring in our, our fantastic guest, our yes. dear, dear friend of the show, James Ochoa, is back. The man behind the storms of ADHD. He has been a constant educator to us. We are thrilled that he is here to talk to us about what we're living through and uh, how we can get through it. Uh, through these storms. James, hi. Hi, hi. It's great to see you both again. Um, yes, I don't think I ever uh, considered that publishing my book now over four years ago, which is amazing to me. It's been out four years and it's still growing, which is great, uh, that we've come upon something like this. So this is like the epic, not only ADD storm, but a uh, worldwide storm uh, that I'm calling it, it's a new paradigm shift. And so we'll talk more about that, but we are in a new, we're in a new, we're in a new age and it's time to, uh, begin to come to grips to that. I, uh, I, I hit it, uh, last night. It, it, it hit me. Oh, and we'd be doing our best to, to, you know, live mm-hmm. in the quarantine and do all the things that we're, you know, we're self-isolating. We're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. We've been told we're part, we're trying to be part of the solution. And then, uh, you know, you go outside and you see a lot of people who aren't, and that's, frustrating to me. And then you start to question, am I really doing the right thing? Is this nuts? And then I get a call uh, from a a dear friend whose uh, father was taken into the ICU uh, uh, last night. And so it is now like it's now it's personal. Now it's somebody who's close to me and, um, you know, who's 75 plus years old and is, you know, what does that mean, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. That, that they're putting a field hospital in Shoreline, Washington, a park that I have walked myself many a time, and now it is uh, it, it's a, a field hospital that that creates storms. So I'm glad you're here to help us through this. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, well, you're an expert in this field, in this world, and there are many of us out there in the emotional mental stress part of this. There's, we, we, I, you know, I still have not found the gold card for the human behavior. Uh, right. You know, I thought yeah. I would get it, but it still hasn't come in the mail yet. <laughs> uh, to get out of all this, I just, you know, I, we are in the middle of it. I, I was telling y'all before we went on live that, you know, I'm using every resource at my capacity right now. I have just pulled out these stops. And I think that that's probably the key for everybody, uh, on how we do that. So I am happy to provide direction, answer questions, uh, concepts. I've wrote down some things kind of on kind of how I'm thinking about it right now and what's helping me. Uh, kind of stay centered when I think is helping my clients, which still doing active, active work online now. I've been doing work online for over a week. Uh, I was an early container, as I would say here, uh, in the Austin area of Texas, uh, which we don't have the same, uh, way that y'all have got up there in the Northwest at the moment, you know, uh, but we, we shall see. So where should we start? Where's a good place to start, uh, in concept and kind of driving forward to help folks? I would be curious to hear what you're doing. Um, and then I have, I have certain, what I did is I wrote down a few notes of what I've been seeing in the last week with clients and some of the questions that are coming up. And, and, uh, I think even on a personal level, being a coach and, um, it's so difficult at these times right now because I'm so used to trying to like help people move forward and, you know, be optimistic and, and, but I don't even, sometimes I don't know, I, I don't know what to say. So I'm just, I'm just listening, which is what they need too. So I'm just listening because th- there just isn't, we just, so we don't know, right? There's just so much uncertainty right now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let me frame a few things because conceptually, um, yeah, I, I would say I definitely have the conceptual framework for a second book, uh, that's developing. And, and uh, some of that the con- conceptualization is starting to come around. If you think about the ideas of neurological balance is really what we're after here. And what's neurological balance? It's when I feel centered for some period of time or I'm not, I'm not too distressed and I'm not too uh, overly optimistic about things, but I just feel like I'm a little more centered inside. And that's really what we're, we're after, uh, even if it's momentarily right now, because uh, balance is not, uh, first of all, balance is a dynamic structure, right? It's not a static, meaning it moves, it's constantly flowing back and forth. I like to think of it as a, on an infinity circle or a lazy eight that's going on its side back and forth. Uh, that that I'm trying to flow between that in a way that feels um, uh, at ease or I've got some balance going on like I know what's going on around me, okay? So the second piece that I'm really practicing right now that I really uh, have hit on with the work I'm doing now is the idea of curiosity and observation skills, okay? Those seem enormously simplistic, but they're not. In that, curiosity and observation is allowing you to unplug your mind from the fear and from the distress that's going on, even if it's momentarily. I'm talking it may be nanoseconds long in today's world. But the ideas of curiosity and observation is to be curious about what's going on and observe what's going on without necessarily being detached or running away from it. But it's a neurological pause button as I'm talking about it. And that curiosity and observation it's a pretty constant source in my life right now. I'm constant. I, my wife and I, 
uh, hadn't been to the grocery store in a week. It was time for us to go. Uh, things in Austin are probably going to get more significant. And so we, uh, we, we, we went to the grocery store, right? And I did my best to not get caught up in the fever of it all, but it was pretty much impossible. It's hard. That, that's a real question because it, like, I, I, I find myself, I can, I can get into curiosity and observation mode pretty easily. And I can almost immediately go into obsessive mode. Uh, yeah. right. Like that, that seems yeah. like a, a pretty fine, like tripwire of a line. It is, it is a tripwire. And it's what happened with me this morning, Pete. So I was in curiosity, curiosity and observation mode. Then I would flip into this obsessive, oh my God, we, we, we do need everything in this store. And it's like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. You know, uh, I saw one sane person who was buying for dinner only tonight, you know, but it was just like, and so that is around us. It's not going away. Okay. And because it's not going away, we have to acknowledge that, um, the stress is is not going to abate anytime soon. Um, and with that, I would say the ideas that I you've probably you've heard me talk about before and more recently in the last couple of years of what I would call as micro meditations or slow motion where you're slowing down one to three minutes throughout the day, stopping yourself. In this kind of stress, meditation is not going to feel like a luxury and it's not going to even feel like you maybe want to do it or that you want to slow yourself down. It's going to be an effort. It's a real effort to stop myself and put on that timer and sit down. Okay. Because my body is going to want to run. My body's going to want to do things. My body wants to be prepared. It's, and so, and so in, in many ways where people have practiced mindfulness or any levels of meditation before, you may have had some sense that it felt nurturing and connective. And I've gotten a little bit of that. But 80% of my mindfulness right now in meditation is survival. It is I am just tapping back the stress that's around me at, an, at, a, a, at a palatable level so that I can uh, uh, live within some kind of sanity in my life on an ongoing basis. I don't know if that makes sense for both of you. Uh, or if if you have more questions about that. But I think that's probably a key piece for people to understand. Well, I think it's also really important right now when you have so much anxiety about the future, it's pulling you back to the present, you know, of of where we are right now, where you are right now. And uh, I think that's an important coping mechanism um, for sure. So I do have a couple of questions because I know that with with my clients, some of them are handling this pretty well, right? They're embracing it. They're like, hey, I don't have a commute anymore. I can, you know, spend more time with my my family or get some things done at, at home. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a, a coaching group that they were talking about how they almost at times feel more focused because they work so well under pressure. Have you noticed that at all? Like with your clients where some some people are like, no, it's, you know, I, I can actually, I can focus. Yes, yes. It, it's interesting you'd say that, Nikki, because there is, uh, there's a little bit of an element for us diagnosed with ADHD that says, oh, so the whole world's going through a storm like I normally go through. Mm, <laughs> there's yeah, this right. element that I, I, I know what this feels like. And so it is a focusing agent, but in that hyper-focus at some level, um, it is a very, it can be very uh, adrenaline producing. It can be very, uh, 
it can wear you out over short periods of time. And so even for us who are used to it and know the patterns, and I'm certainly one of those, uh, and having moved my office home and now I have everything operating here, uh, but it's still not settled. Um, I've got a lot of energy to be able to focus on that, but you're right. It is, there, there's a normalcy to this of high stress. Well, and I, I, I think that's a, like I was feeling, uh, you know, I don't want to be whistling through the graveyard here too much, but uh, like I was feeling pretty good about things. Like I was feeling on top of it Monday, Tuesday, like we were adjusting. We had, we were kind of ahead of a lot of the country. And so I, I feel like the, the, the real wave of initial anxiety hit us last week. And so this week we were prepared and I like all of my clients are thinking, oh, we got to get something out about COVID. So I'm working. I got tasks. I'm doing things. I'm producing podcasts. And, uh, by yesterday, uh, I was an empty vessel i was done there was just nothing left um and so i have to imagine i have to imagine i'm not alone that that exuberance of being kind of having that that focus piece is it's not infinite no it's not and i think i was talking about it earlier they're really waves of anxiety and so we're all going through these waves and they're not predictable right uh they're not predictable because the degree of unknown uh, changes on an ongoing basis. So if you get new information, if there's a new subtle measure to something that suddenly gives you a different perspective, much like for you, Pete, that, you know, it becomes personal with a friend's father. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen for all of us. We're all going to know someone who is in that space. And so the other piece to really pull in here is in the cycle of grief, is in the cycle of loss and sudden change, which is why I'm talking about it as a paradigm shift. Things are not going to be the same. There's going to be things that are much uh, different in many good ways. I've seen more people on the street. I've talked to more neighbors from a social isolating safe distance, right? But than I have in probably two years in the last week. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Los Angeles and the smog not being there because there's no one driving on the freeway. Swans in the um, canals in Venice. Right. So there are, uh, and so we're, we're getting this paradigm shift. I'm, uh, it, it's a joke, but not a joke in some ways. I'm like, so if we're all going to be working from home, then we're going to have all these office buildings open, right? So this, this might be the new concept to house the homeless. We put them in all these office buildings. We've got new, we've got new places to live. <laughs> it's that kind of thinking, I think, that creatively that I do think us with attention issues can spin off of this, but it doesn't happen if you don't have some balance and you don't have uh, a process to kind of get through those waves to kind of reset yourself. Okay. So I talked about some of the people that are embracing it, right? And now I've, I have some people too that are really resisting it. Like, I don't want this change. I don't want this transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to see the good in it or any silver lining of it. Right mm-hmm. now, I know that that is not going to last forever. Um, one thing I know a lot about with ADHDers is they're resilient and they persevere. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, uh, think I I probably caught some of them at their worst, right? Because they're very stressed. So here's this new like routine that we are forced into. How do you handle that? How do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? And uh, and most important is how how do you deal with the isolation? Because I have several uh, clients who live by themselves. 
and are thrown into this new routine and they have to do it by themselves. Right. And so when you've got this degree of transition and change, first of all, routine and structure uh, can be a real um, difficult people for uh, difficult with people with ADHD. But once you identify structure and routine as personal, it can feel very comforting. Mm -hmm. And so I'm encouraging people that in this transition, right, where the paradigm shift has happened, and so all your routines and structures have been thrown off, okay? Uh, you start looking at the ones you still have, whether that's brushing your teeth or putting on your shoes. I don't really care how simple it is. You keep focusing on the ones that you are working with, um, and you understand that this is not an easy thing to look at, but it too shall pass, meaning we will normalize the way that we are working together. Mm -hmm. um, the isolation piece is a little more challenging because uh, we have had such interconnectedness in so many ways of being able to get out and socialize with others. And so when you can't go to restaurants and when you can't uh, go to your local gym or other kinds of things, you suddenly are left looking around your life saying, okay, what is meaningful to me? Mm -hmm. And so this is where the meaning, I really encourage people to be again walking around their homes and looking for meaning of uh, things that have been put into corners or need dusting off, whether it's an old instrument or it's a photo album book. I wanted to finish this in the back of the closet, but it's like going to look for meaning in my environment around me. Um, that looking for meaning, uh, uh, Nikki and Pete is critically important in a stabilizing factor of the mind because when you find meaning, it creates a sense of knowing. That knowing creates a sense of comfort of walking towards something. And so uh, I'm doing that on an ongoing basis and looking at whether it's the artwork or the things that uh, that provide meaning to me in my life and to have it around me, to acknowledge it, to see it, mm -hmm. take inventory of it. Uh, I've had people who put lists of things that are meaningful and personal to them on their refrigerator as a reminder, okay? Because there are a lot of things we have hidden away in the chaos of our lives of running around that isolation stops you from doing that. I could look at my desk that's in front of me right now and find many, many things of meaning uh, that whether it's the... <laughs> My, my my son's birthday gift that's coming up in June that I don't want to forget, which is <laughs> dice for his dice for his D and D games. But it's like, oh yeah, I got to remember that that's there. But it's meaningful. Okay, right. I found that three months ago his birthday wasn't for it provides a connection for me. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking for the isolation piece, I would say that the critical aspect is to find some meaning and connection in your life. Um, and understanding, again, the stress is not abating. It's coming through in waves. Uh, those waves let them pass. It's harder if you contract and try to rebel and force uh, versus, uh, like for you, Pete, stop. Yeah. You know, take some time to relax. Take some time to slow down. Does that help, Nikki? Does that give mm -hmm. some ideas and direction? Mm -hmm. Well, I love the idea of actually looking for the things that need to be dusted off, right? I mean, I think <laughs> totally. that this is an opportunity. I mean, this is the silver lining of uh -huh. now you've got some time, you've got some space. It's forced upon you, but it's a good thing. It can be a good yeah. thing because yeah. maybe you're you're opening something back up that is re really positive. You know? I, yeah. I like that. One of the things yeah. that we've, we've talked about extensively, I think this year, 
uh, it, it's been a real focus and a real key learning for us is rejection sensitivity. And I, I was talking to somebody yeah. uh, yesterday yep. who's living alone and dealing with this, and it didn't it 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 hits them. Uh, the, the way they describe it was that um, you know they're alone, they're isolating, they're doing what they what they are told is the best thing to do for this. They're doing their part, and they feel like that isolation is triggering the same emotional sensation that that somebody has rejected them personally. That there is no direct feedback. I think that both talking about looking for meaning and and trying to find those communities, uh, those those triggers of community really important um, in, in balancing that. Right. So here's a fun one in society. We have, uh, my wife and I, in our little dining area, we have windows that look out onto the front, um, uh, the front street that go by. So when people are going by now, I'm making sure I'm giving them a big wave yeah. from the window. <laughs> right. Yeah, like right. Wave back. It's like, it's like old times. It's like right. sitting out on your porch. And so, this is where I think we are regenerating a new connection with each other in ways we could have never thought of. Yeah. Uh, that as someone I heard talking about this yesterday was saying, this has affected everyone from A to Z. It, it is all cultural, all financial, all, all lines. It's affected top to bottom. Um, you know, and as we brought a bag of groceries to our neighbor next door who's 70, who can't get out. Uh, we do things to try to help each other. That provides meaning in my life. And so if we can stay on that active side of meaning and things that we're grateful for or appreciate, again, like I was saying with the mindfulness and meditation earlier, there are going to be pieces of you that are say, I don't want to do that. That feels too hard. Uh, you have to be able to work through or ignore those kind of feelings and keep walking toward them because they really do provide a balancing point for our emotional and mental stress. I, I'm finding it even more frustrating the, to, to be met with so much of the news and the signal of people who are not uh, not doing this, who are disregarding the, the um, uh, recommendations, regulations, wherever. And that leads to um, that sort of trigger-happy addiction to like looking at the graphs and watching the spread and watching the news and feeling like I'm... It, it's not... It's not really FOMO. I've been trying to come up with another thing. It's an alternate alternative to fear of missing out. And the best thing I can come up with is fear of stressing out, FOSO. It's like <laughs> I am addicted to the stress anxiety that uh, that I'm to remind me that I'm doing this for the right reason. Well, and I got to say, too, Pete, to add to that is that this is a different situation it, it, it feels to me a lot like 9-11, right? When 9-11 yeah. happened, um, everybody was watching the news. Everything that was on TV was all about 9-11 and, and everything that was happening. And it was, it was this like almost addiction of, of watching it. But then there was a time where it sort of like kind of went into the stories of the people and it got sadder and sadder. And then, you know, how that evolved. The thing with this is that every day there's something new. And so it, it, it does pull you because it's not like you're listening to, to stories anymore. You're seeing a press conference every day from the president and his people behind him, you know, talking about like the updates and everything's always changing. So there is this like sense of need to kind of figure out what's going on. Well, there is, Nikki, but this is where you normalize that change. 
you know it's going to change. And you begin to tell yourself it's going to change. And it's not the change that I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on that I have a community around me. Uh, there's an element of safety in what I'm doing, my social responsibility. Um, I do my best to uh, hold a state of gratitude when I see someone who appears to not be following the highest good of the social isolation or helping out to flatten the curve as we're talking about it. And the best I can do within that is to say, I don't know that person's life and I don't know their reason for being out there in a way that's not, that, that appears to be meaningless to me. There may be something that they need in a way that I don't, that I don't know about. So I'm going to give that benefit of the doubt as much as I can because that benefit of the doubt is, is comforting to me. Okay. Rather than being angry. Absolutely. Because again, the anger part is the contraction. That's the piece our bodies are used to doing. We're used to going to that stress and contraction under survival. And again, it's an effort. It's an effort to look and wave at people walking by to say, I'm not sure why that person is out, but they may have reasons that I'm not aware of. uh, And I'm going to assume that before I'm going to assume something else. Um, and that's the best we get at the moment, okay, that the change is normalizing. It's, it's not going to stop. Um, but I will tell you, I have gone to very extreme measures in my own personal life about meaning regarding kind of the biggest picture I can have, that if things were to continue to evolve and become difficult, you know, who am I today? And what kind of life have and am I living? Okay, in a meaningful way. What have I given to the world? What around me have I helped others with? That reflective state that's not more uh, fatalistic. It's not like I'm I'm going to perish and go away, but it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to really stop and reflect on my life in a way that is purposeful. Okay, because to do it otherwise is to allow the change or the stress to grab you. And it's like a very vicious vicious ride uh, because it's going to go up and down and sideways in ways Mm -hmm. that we cannot predict Mm -hmm. at the moment. Well, and it's interesting too. um, This is sort of a, just a side note, dealing with the disappointment that some people are feeling because so many of these events are canceled and my nephew's Mm -hmm. wedding's going to be postponed, um, you know, graduation for the seniors. I mean, all of the stuff that are supposed to be kind of these monumental or uh, milestones, right? Mm-hmm. It, dealing with that disappointment, um, how do you go back to that gratitude? I mean, how 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 do you work through that? Okay, uh, here's a funny one to think about. With all those losses and the shifts that are going, I'm asking people to really think about a personal way to celebrate those milestones. So if someone is not going to graduate with their class in college, could they get as many friends as they could on a Zoom feed and they're all going to put their caps on and they're all going to uh, make a, a personal dessert or a cake at home and they're all going to celebrate together in a way that they can. Okay. I'm going to put a, uh, you know, a photo book together about, it's like, how am I going to personalize this? And it's just, again, it's a paradigm shift. How am I going to look at this differently now? Because if I look at it through the same lens, and it's not invalidating the loss or the disappointment. That's a really key element here. It's like acknowledging that. It, it, it Excuse the term, but it sucks. Okay? It just really sucks. It's not any fun at all. All right? It's, uh, it's not something anybody would have wanted. 
Therefore, how could I now look at this in a new way? Like my dear wife's birthday is going to be coming up uh, in a week from Sunday. We'll still be in social isolation. Okay. And so it's like me asking her, what kind of cake do you want? I make sure when we did our grocery store run today that I had flour and the things that I could, but I'm going to really think about that as a celebratory element. And we may get friends on video and other kind of things. How do I do it differently? Okay. And that takes some effort to kind of begin dancing around it. So it feels like, you know, acknowledging that, yes, this sucks. It's disappointing. It's there's a lot of fear, but then at some point also embracing it and figuring out what are some other ways to find joy, right? Whether that is um, finding something that you haven't been able to read for a while or a hobby you haven't been able to do. One of the things that I'm really enjoying is that I get to spend time with my daughter more than I ever have. Like, you know, I, I see her all the time. My son, I don't see as much just because he's he's working in a in a fast food place that pizza, he, it's a delivery pizza. So it's like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's busier than he's, he's ever busy. been. Right. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they and don't you, want him to go anywhere. You know what? That's, but, a, that's uh, a really good one. Like I, it's, it's one of those things to be thankful for, for both, not only the time you get to spend with your daughter, but, but frankly, in this time, your son is doing an His act of braveness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is an act right. of bravery. He yeah. is he is he is considered on the front line. Yes. People in food and in healthcare are considered on the front lines right now because we need both and and the people in our public works, the people yes. in uh, who are protecting us. I mean, I cannot be more grateful. We were at the grocery store and I looked at the you know the workers and I said, I so appreciate you being here. I know this is working overtime for you and it's helping all of us. And they appreciate that. We have got to stay connected at that level. You know what it reminds me of is Mr. Rogers. You got to look for the helpers. <laughs> <laughs> you got to look for the helpers. You have to say thank you because they are yes. they are amazing, right? I mean, geez, yes. these people that now, are look, putting... <laughs> all three of us just smiled there and laughed, yeah. right? Cause just, and that's a cascade of chemistry. We all know that. Yeah. When you smile, right, you're just running all kind of chemical through right. the brain. Uh, that where you really get into what, you know, the state of what's called dilation. Dilation is allowing the body to really soak that in. And mm-hmm. That's where appreciation and gratitude comes in. You can just mm-hmm. fill your body with it. And, you know, I was telling you earlier about the finding meaning in and around your environment. I really encourage people to stare at a, at a deep object of meaning around them. They could even do that right now and just really look at it and think about the story behind it and the history and the number of years that are connected to it and and who is connected to it. And I can just, and this is where the hyper-focus beat on ADD comes in, and I can just fall into that, okay, and really hold it. And and there are, and, and again, those are kind of micro-meditations for me. I can sit and look at this picture of my grandfather that's up on my desk right now and really look at, you know, he was about 30 years old. He just looks strappingly incredible. And I'm thinking about you know, the 1930s when he was that old and what that must have been like. And suddenly I'm in a different story and I'm in a different mindset. And yeah. it's a different mindset. You're looking to jump out of that gear uh, because the stress gear, the survival gear, the information gear, all those are going to be there. We're not going to get rid of it. 
Isn't it isn't it funny too how the context changed? Like having this experience of of yeah. working now at home or having just spending more time at home can change the way you relate to your own space, space that you think you know intimately, and suddenly you get to have these new insights when you slow down a little bit, right? I mean, that's a that's a powerful shift. I saw uh, something absolutely. on yeah. Facebook that I just it actually made me chuckle out loud. It was like a um a floor plan of a, a you know just a standard home and the the heading was so where are we going on vacation this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> it's like which room are we going into? Yeah, right. And I did. I totally saw it and I just chuckled because I was like that's funny. <laughs> so, here's a, here's a funny one that's a great one, okay? I saw online I don't remember which nonprofit was immediately but uh, somewhat where they're getting actors and other famous people to read storybooks to kids and mm. putting those online. It's like with your family, where are you going to go on vacation? We're all going to go into the master bedroom closet. <laughs> we're going to close the door in our little cubby. We're going to get our blankets and we're going to get flashlights and we're going to read books, That's you know, right. and we're going to nurture each other and we're going to pretend, you know, we're in, uh, you know, New Zealand or somewhere else if we want to. This yeah. Is, Again, daydreaming, the yeah. imagination, all those things. Uh, I just, you just keep using the tools that you have. Uh, it's really important. I'd like to ask you a question about grief uh, because sure. I know a lot of us, in addition to looking for ways to keep ourselves entertained, focused, calm, uh, are also going to be dealing with um, more direct. Not yep. implied, but explicit grief uh, in the yes, coming we weeks. And yes, we uh, I, I wonder if you could give us a, a bit of a map for how we navigate can. what's coming. I can. Uh, and I appreciate that uh, asking about that because it's probably one, I wouldn't say it's the overlooked aspect of it, but uh, because you have such unbridled fear that comes out of the unknown, it's getting overridden in these loss processes that are, I don't want them to get lost. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to lose the grief process. And the grief process is one that, you know, certainly we've all heard the, you know, the stages of, 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 of not believing it. Uh, what if I had done something different? Being angry about it, uh, being depressed and sad about it, getting to accept it. Those kind of five stages we've always known will move through those. But you have to remember that grief isn't something that goes away. Grief, as I say, has a story to it. And if you can tell the story of the grief, which generally is involved in the loss, then you can begin to build the foundation of memory of constitution of what this person who you may have lost or the graduation that I lost, uh, what does that mean to me and how am I going to use it going forward in my life? Uh, so when I encourage folks when I'm dealing with grief and loss, uh, that you build a relationship with that loss in a way that's got meaning and that you're going to carry forward in your life, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so the context of missing celebrations, when celebrations come up in the future, they're that much more meaningful to me because I know how precious they are, okay? It could be part of a foundation of meaning someone builds if they're missing or losing celebrations. Uh, if someone is losing individuals, and that may happen for many of us through the loss of, of dying from the severity of some of the uh, infections and things that are going on as a result of this, uh, it's being able to tell the story of that person's life in a meaningful way of how am I going to carry on their legacy or their memory with me? Um, 
And I have done this with all the significant people I've lost in my life. I carry them with me spiritually, which means a personal meaning in my daily living that makes sense to me. Um, God, I wish I had them here in front of me. Um, I, it, it, it's probably, it's way too deep and way over the top, but that's part of what this is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so with my mother, when she passed, my mother, uh, to me, talks to me or gives me indications that she's spiritually a part of my life still. Uh, and if anyone knows anything in depth around me, I, I've been collecting heart rocks for years, okay? And I probably have hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, well, this little heart rock, I'm going to hold up to that little heart rock. Oh, here. Yeah. yes. Okay? okay. This heart rock I found yesterday on my green belt of less than a half a mile from my house. It was in an open field of flat rock. There's no other rocks around it. How that rock got sitting there, I have no idea. I'm not going to question it. But to me, that's how the spirit of who I remember my mother to be uh, comes to me. Okay, so it's a very personal meaning that I've driven from that grief in a loss phase. So that's a lot I've just said about grief, but it's got to be very personal in a way that's meaningful, but you have to let yourself feel those ways and those feelings. Don't let yourself get stuck on them. Well, I imagine, too, that there is, I, I feel like I may have skipped over an important part of the question as I'm listening listening to you talk, that there is, um, there's the grief that we need to uh, personalize, and there is the trauma that we're being told now is when someone gets sick, you cannot see them, right? You essentially have to grieve away from somebody who is sick, potentially dying, and 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 being in that space, I don't know how to do that. Yes, yes. And there's no easy way to do that. Let's start with that. Okay? So how does someone be with someone when a social isolation piece is, I can't be near that person because I may also then be a part of the challenge or the problem. If anyone's ever scuba dived before, that's really true with scuba divers. Uh, if someone starts to have a problem in scuba diving, you have to be really careful about helping them because you can get involved in the problem. Uh, but the reality is, in this case, what do you do, Pete? These are some simple things that, uh, that come to mind that you can do. Uh, you can write a letter to the person. You can draw a picture for the person. Okay. You can play, you can get a loudspeaker outside their house and you can go read a story to them. I mean, don't get me started on being weird and un- you know unusual when it comes to this place because it's it's so critically important. Because what what else am I going to do but just go out of my mind when I really can't get near a person? So it's like you could draw pictures and go tape it up on their window from the inside out where they could see them. There are many many ways to connect with individuals and with people, and so we have to think about new paradigms. How might I connect with that person in a way I hadn't thought about before? Okay. You start asking these open-ended questions as I talk about, and I won't go into the depth part of the science of the mind on it, but open-ended questions engage insight and action in the mind. Okay. In a space that I'm looking for meaning and purpose. And so that open-ended question of, gee, how can I connect with that person? This is tragic that I can't go to their ICU room, okay? But what I can do is bring in, you know, six red balloons, and I'm going to hang them across all their windows. So when they see the balloons, they're going to think of 
happiness because I always liked red balloons as a kid. Again, my mind just spins toward ideas and concepts of how do we stay connected. Does that help? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Don't. I, I mean, I just am hearing this. Like, don't get stuck in a lack of creativity, right? It's, right, it'd be right. really easy yeah. to absolutely. let trauma and grief get in the way of that. But it sounds to me like, like in so many ways, relieving that that feeling of grief is just being creative and and getting lost in the creative process to help and love somebody. Absolutely. And we mentioned this in our show on Monday, Pete, like we are so lucky to live in a world with all of the technology that we have. Right. If this happened 20 years ago, we would be really disconnected. Um, But we can at least now be on Zoom, be on Skype, be on FaceTime and and at least have it may not be in person, but at least it's it's you know, better than just the telephone, you know, in some situations. Yes. And as my oldest son told me, he said, we are going to learn that the internet is just not a tool of luxury or play uh, or even production for work. It's a utility, much like electricity or water or other things are. It is a utility of connection. And we're going to learn new ways to use it. We already have. Uh, We've had, you know, we've, we've made dinner, you know, with our sons on video. Okay. It's like how a lot of folks are doing this. And so you're right, Nikki. It, it, we're in it, the gratitude that we have technology today to connect. It's really important. My daughter watched a movie with all of her friends in Netflix, like <laughs> on their devices. Like they weren't together, right. but they were all watching the same movie. The same movie. <laughs> Like ready, set, go. Exactly. And they were loving it. You know, they were giggling and (laughs) having all kinds of fun. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Just listening to James talk actually like makes me calm. So I am so glad you're here. (laughs) He really can. And I just yes. feel so much better. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you know what's funny? Okay, here's here's more personal than how to relate his pieces. Okay, I get a chance to go listen back and listen to this for myself, even because <laughs> seriously, the the relationship with yourself. All right, I, I you you know if it was if it was, you've read my book, Focus Forward. I talk to myself in the morning when I go in to the office. I still do that. I'm doing more of that now. I wake up. James, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Focus on what's important to you. What do you what What are you going to do next? Okay, this here. Um, I've had this very interesting role of I've been doing meditations at between three and four in the morning, very quiet around me. Uh, I wake up not in distress or anxiety, but the need to fill myself with some resource. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm doing that, and I and those are guidance pieces to me. But I appreciate that because it is something that I uh, pride myself on in a way that I've built uh, and I'm still just stunned at the, the amount of resource that I have around me and I encourage people to find that with meaning, you know, a way to connect with others like your daughter is doing let's keep doing it. Love it. Thank you so much. What a wonderful cool. gift that you share some of that uh, time with us, James, as always. Uh, where, where do you want people to learn more about you? Not Like they haven't, don't have it memorized up by now. 
I think all of our listeners have your book because (laughs) either I sent it to them (laughs) because they're my client or (laughs) because they hear us talking to you and and they go out and buy it. But still, you need to promote it just in case. (laughs) Well, absolutely. I appreciate that. So, you know, the book, Focus Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD. uh, I just crossed its fourth year anniversary. Its first leap year, by the way. It was Mm. was released on February 29th. Oh. uh, It's. It's only had one leap year birthday. Uh, I figured that was a wonderful, quirky way to do it. But under, you know, jamesochoa.com has all this information right now. Uh, and I have some new services and uh, uh, products regarding subscription and membership sites that I'm starting uh, to put out there called the Storm Team. And so if people are interested in that, a way to stay connected with me. I do have concepts for a second book. Both of you will appreciate. Okay, I'll, I'll give a pause here. Uh, my son Jules and my writing coach and editor are working on season two of Yay. the podcast. <laughs> as, as much as I want to say, come on, James, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? Bring, okay. bring me the bring me the pod, buddy. I, I, I could I could give I could give you some I could give you some spoiler alert. Uh, uh, oh, here's my dear wife. Hi. Online right now? Oh, oh yes, yeah. say hello to the ADHD <laughs> community. Oh, I'm sorry, hi. This is my dear wife of 32 Everyone's years. Well. We're all I'm helping sure. each other. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry to get in here. But see, this is the home office. That's, That's right. right. It's it's what we got. <laughs> it's all really good. It's really good. All right. It's so nice Bye, to see you. Uh, okay, jamesochoa.com. You you've got a podcast, another season two of the podcast coming. Jules is, is good. It is. Let's just say let's just say it has to do with groups. Okay. Excellent. I won't say anything more. It'll be a lot of fun. It, they've oh, started good. writing. I think it'll be finished this summer. Uh, but we Jules has taught me into it, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Outstanding. Oh, that's you need to keep him around. Uh, yeah, I think I will. <laughs> Good family member. That's Thank right. you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show, for hanging out with us, for hanging out with our dear friend, uh, James. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and James Ochoa, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you, you know, probably sooner than you expect, right here. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Taking control, the ADHD podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>